Hello and welcome to episode two of this new season of the Estate Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Guido Leur. Uh, Guido received uh, their PhD in May 2020 from Ruhr University Bochum and École Normale Supérieure Paris. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. <laughs> they hold uh, master degrees in philosophy from Berlin and cognitive science, also from the Berlin School of Mind and Brain. And uh, they're doing a postdoc project in Estit uh, on the synthesis and foundation line. And today we are going to discuss uh, a foundational topic in the Estit research, namely what does it actually mean for a technology to be socially and conceptually disruptive? And behind our conversation or discussion today lies a paper from Guido, which is titled, Do Socially Disruptive Technologies Really Change Our Concepts or Just Our Conceptions? So Guido, welcome, great to have you. Thanks Bauke um, for having me, it's yeah. a great pleasure. No worries. Um, so, what are you doing in the Estet uh, program exactly? So, Estet is about um, how technology disrupts our social practices and beliefs, but it's also about how uh, technologies and new technologies in particular, like um, AI, disrupts our concepts, um, in particular our moral concepts, um, like personhood or... Um, even more, much more mundane concepts like uh, what it is to be a colleague mm -hmm. or a friend. And my project tries to um, give a foundational theory on what it means for concepts to be disrupted and what we can do about it. Okay, so basically you are sort of building the backbone of all our research. Yes, uh, me and some others. And some others. So we have yeah. a foundation and synthesis line. Mm -hmm. um, so other people who work on these issues are Jeroen Hopster or Philip Ray. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just curious before we delve into the the, the real content of today, like why why are you as a person interested in this uh, this field? So I did my um, PhD on concepts, in particular um, abstract concepts, their nature, their psychology. I've always been interested in abstract concepts, really since being a teenager. So mm. I was a very pretentious um, teenager. I was mm. really into arts and right. literature and also philosophy. And I was really attracted by German philosophy that is really obscure and mm. hard to understand. Yeah. And um, artists also like to um, talk in very obscure terms. And I realized at some point, um, how is it possible for us to communicate about these abstract things? Um, and honestly, nobody knows really what these terms mean. Yeah. So that's like a really, to me, that's a huge puzzle. Yeah. How we like what a complicated concept actually means, or you mean more what a concept is anyway? No, just for example, if you go to a museum and you talk about whether a painting that you see is art, we we have really lengthy conversations about um, whether something is art or whether something is good music, and yeah. we don't really often know exactly what we mean by it. Yeah. So normally in philosophy, you you assume that communication is built on at least you know what you're talking about mm -hmm. at least you know what the concepts you're using mean um, but that doesn't seem to be the case and I, I was really interested in in this problem 
And how did that lead you to study uh, disruptive change caused by technology? Well, I did my PhD on abstract concepts and their psychology, and then I got hired by, um, by Estid um, because Estid is really all about um, abstract concepts, right? It's not yeah. about concrete concepts like uh, tables or spoons yeah. or water. It's about very abstract concepts like love, friendship, stuff like that. And that, those are exactly the kind of concepts I'm really interested in because those are the concepts we hardly, you know, we're like really competent at using those words, but mm -hmm. we don't really know exactly what we mean by them, um, at least not in a way that we can describe precisely what we want to commit ourselves to yeah. when using them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, can you then explain for us uh, what does it mean when a technology uh, is socially disruptive? or disrupts a concept. But let's start with the first. Like, when, What does it mean to be for technology to be socially disruptive? So one way to describe it is in terms of examples, mm -hmm. right? A new technology like um, AI, it seems to disrupt um, our concepts just in the sense of we are no longer sure how to use these concepts. Yeah. So before, um, you know, even, I don't know, 10 years ago, before ten, five years ago, people were pretty confident at, at you know, classifying something, someone as a person and they were sure that, like, uh, their computers are not persons. Yeah. Nowadays, apparently, people ask the question, is my computer a person? Yeah. If it's very sophisticated, very smart, yeah. is my computer intelligent? Yeah. You know, those are um, disruptions in the sense that we are kind of uncertain how mm. to classify things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I would describe a conceptual disruption as a kind of classificatory uncertainty, something that arises very often with um, new technologies because even non-digital technologies. Yeah. A classic example is uh, the mechanical ventilator. Yeah. Can you explain that example a bit a bit further? So indeed, it's an example you also uh, allude to in your in your paper, and I think it's a very illuminating example for how this conceptual disruption works. So you're saying that the mechanical ventilator sort of led to an ambiguity or an uncertainty in our conceptions of. Uh, alive and, and death? Yes, yeah, so I don't want to say that concepts are always sharp or okay. that we always have a good no. grasp on what it means to be dead. Yeah. But um, we are usually pretty confident at you know, how to classify someone. Like, yeah. okay, this person is alive because they're moving around. Yeah. This person is dead because, well, they're not moving around and there's yeah. no heartbeat and no brain activity. Yeah. So there's no question about like how to apply these words, even mm -hmm. though we may be not really good at describing their meaning. But then the mechanical ventilator came along, which is a device that allows the body to function, um, but it doesn't really, you know, let you, you know, but it doesn't really do anything with the brain. The brain could be dead, and the body is alive. So there's a kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's an ambiguity, it's just an uncertainty of like, what is it? Is it yeah. alive or is it dead? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's and it like also a, led to the situation that if a doctor would plug out the mechanical ventilator, it would maybe amount to murder, right? Exactly. That's why it's why it's relevant. Why we think about this these kind of disruptions, these kind yeah. of it could literally be a matter of, of life or death. It yeah. could be mean like, should this person be praised yeah. for saving this body or should this person go to jail? Yeah. Right? Or yeah. should this person, you know, is was it permissible to pull the plug? Or should this person be punished yeah. because they murdered someone? You know, that's like yeah. exactly the kind of decisions you have to make um, when you overcome a conceptual disruption. Yeah, exactly. So a conceptual disruption, to summarize, would be a cause by technology is a, that it, a technology leads to a situation where we are 
uncertain how to apply our current concepts and then we are in need of some decision there yes that's yeah. what i would say is that different than from a social disruption because in estet we're studying socially disruptive technologies and we're now talking about conceptual disruption is there a difference between those two things so in my view um most conceptual disruptions are kind of a subsection of of social disruptions. Okay. So you could normally we talk about social disruption as some kind of un imbalance in terms of um, you know like established social norms or practices or just a change of beliefs that can be quite socially disruptive. And then concepts, in my view, are also social things. So they're not like in live somewhere in the abstract world or something, but they are kind of um, also kind of practices. So social things in the sense of you have to look at how a concept is used in order to know what it is. Or Exactly. So even whatever view of concepts you have, of course, we use language and everyone is in agreement that language is, you know, guided by certain kind of norms. Yeah. How to use language. Yeah. So in this sense, um, a conceptual disruption, a disruption of how how to use language is, of course, a social disruption. It's also a social disruption, automatically. Yeah. Okay, so the, the mechanical ventilator uh, led to a sort of an uncertainty about the concepts of life and, and, and death. Can you maybe give, give another example of a, an abstract concept that may change or is changing because of technology? Yeah, so one of my uh, favorite examples also to illustrate the moral uh, relevance of this is uh, sex robots. Mm-hmm. So there's this um, TV show that I can really recommend. It's called Humans. So it's a, originally a Swedish TV show, um, but uh, there's also a BBC version. And in this, at least the BBC version that I I watched, there's a family and a the husband, and the husband has sex with a very sophisticated service robot called Anita. And um, well, that's the the question, right? Um, is this adultery? Is this yeah. did this uh, husband cheat on his wife? Yeah. Or was it like a recreational activity? Yeah. And um, it's really, um, so the, the husband didn't think he was doing anything wrong. Yeah. It's just a, a robot. It's yeah. just a tool, right? Yeah. But his wife, um, when it came out, when it was found out, um, she was, uh, she thought it was adultery, right? So, um, and that's exactly those kind of conceptual disruptions that I'm talking about is, well, is this, is this, how to, how do we make sense of this? Is this yeah. uh, what kind of classification yeah, do we exactly. apply, right? Yeah. And again, it's um, a pretty difficult uh, decision to make. And it is really a decision that we have to make in yeah. society. There's no uh, external um, standard to apply here. No. There's no like nature of adultery yeah. that we have yeah. to find out by using doing conceptual analysis. It's yeah. really a decision we make in society, yeah. how we want to go about um, dealing with sex robots. Yeah. And it's really a matter of, of whether this person, whether this, this husband has done something that is maybe a bit embarrassing, but totally permissible, mm -hmm. or whether he did something wrong, whether he should, um, whether this could be even reason for a divorce. Yeah. So it has a legal um, relevance. Um, but even if you think, well, it's, it's maybe, maybe it was adultery. Normally, adultery um, requires uh, two people, two two persons, yeah, right? Yeah. Does this mean that um, Anita, the the robot, is a person? Was it consentful? Yeah. If um, if the husband just had to pull push a button, yeah. um, as as was the case in the TV show, was this consentful consentful uh, a sex? If it wasn't, 
maybe the husband didn't just do adultery. Maybe the husband was raping yeah. the robot. Does this mean that the husband has to go to jail? Yeah. So those are kind of you know, <laughs> difficult <laughs> moral uh, questions. Yeah, and it shows that theorizing the nature of these things is, is socially very, very important. Right? Yes, very, very disruptive, right? Yeah. Also yeah. very impact, impactful. Yeah. Let's say that indeed uh, the, the concepts in these, these situations are, are disrupted. We are not, not, not sure anymore how to, how to classify those things. It kind of leads to the question, like, what's, what is changing here? Are our concepts changing or are just the way we apply our concepts change because you keep talking about yeah there's a uh, uncertainty about how to classify this action is it adultery or not does our concepts of adultery then change or just the way that we use use the concept so yeah that's a really um, difficult question um so in philosophy of language this is well it's it's it really depends on where you stand. So there are, there are two. The, the reason why this question is, comes up is because a lot of the times people talk of conceptual change and mm -hmm. they don't actually mean conceptual change or they're just wrong about it. So, for example, um, we used to use the word water. Mm -hmm. The classic example is water um, very differently from now because we know many, you know, we know a lot more about water, the nature of water than we used to. So Aristotle, for example, had a different view, different conception of water. But a lot of philosophers of language think he used the same concept of water. So he was still referring to the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that changed um, was kind of our beliefs about water. And like now we use water in a different way. But it's not that we use a different concept of water. We use yeah. the same concept, but we use it in a different way. Yeah. Um, a better example, I think, is abuse. So people used to um, apply the concept of abuse not to um, corporal punishment um, that happens in, you know, you know, parents in like the household or like, yeah. you know, parents... Hitting their kids. Hitting their kids. Yeah. So they wouldn't use uh, abuse, mm -hmm. the concept of abuse. Nowadays, I think we would. And so if you, and there's again a moral a moral aspect to this, to, to a conceptual decision like this. Yeah. Um, sh if you say, well, there's, it's just a conceptual change. We changed the concept of abuse. It kind of applies that um, when we didn't, when we didn't classify corporal punishment by your parents as abuse that we didn't do that it wasn't the wrong classification mm. right we would of course think well people used to be wrong thinking it's not abuse yeah right yeah. but if you say it's just a conceptual change it kind of implies that, that they the were previous at the time not doing something exactly wrong. the previous yeah. uh, application was correct yeah and now we just changed our interests. Yeah. So that's why it's important to keep those things apart. Yeah. And in order to avoid this entire conundrum and this entire debate, I said, well, let's, let's do some conceptual engineering of the term conceptual change. <laughs> and uh, let's just think of conceptual change as... Yeah, wait, um, so so one, one step back. Because, so this seems to imply that uh, researchers in, in SDIT uh, have to make some kind of metaphysical commitment, right, to a view of philosophy of language. Yes. Are we talking about conceptual change? What does it mean, etc.? cetera? Uh, but you are actually saying something different. Yeah, so I, I want to, I think that's not necessary to make such an Im important metaphysical commitment. Mm -hmm. I think we can talk about um, conceptual change and avoid these difficult 
question. So how, how do we do this? Yeah. Well, when you think, when people think of conceptual change, they often think of individual concepts. So the question is, did the concept of abuse change? Yeah, and then, exactly. then you have to make really um, difficult metaphysical commitments. Yeah. But if you just think of conceptual change as a change in a, in a network of concepts mm. that are sort of influentially um, related to one another, then you can talk of conceptual change in a very um, metaphysically innocent way, I think. You just say, well, kind of a network has changed and networks of concepts change all the time. What, so, what do you mean with a, with a network? Of, of so, concepts? for example, the concept of abuse stands in some relation with the concept of punishment, mm. let's say, right? So yeah. we say that, uh, not corporal punishment. We say corporal punishment is maybe somehow related to abuse. Yeah. And that's and then concepts are always sort of related to one another in this yeah. way, some more or less. So yeah. the concept of bachelor is related to the concept of unmarried, for yeah. example, yeah. right? So if we say, well, let's think of conceptual change not in terms of you know individual concepts, but in terms of these, these changes in networks of yeah. concepts, yeah. and then you can say, well, the concepts, our concepts have changed, and um, when this these networks change in a drum like more drastic way or like in a in a significant socially significant way then we can talk of a social disruption and that's so it doesn't matter anymore whether the concept of abuse itself changed what matters is that the relationship between abuse and corporal punishment has changed exactly because yeah. the relationships between between those concepts are the the um the socially disruptive ones so ah, if, yeah. if those um and those are the the ones and those are the ones we care about when we think of social disruptions yeah um so if you for example yeah. change the relation between abuse and corporal punishment by your parents yeah and you kind of link those two together yeah that's more disruptive um whether or not this changes the concept of abuse yeah but um you know just changing the relation already is exactly what we're interested in i think in the program yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. So in in the the in the earlier example you gave about the mechanical ventilator, it would not be the relevant question to ask: Did our concept of death change because of the mechanical ventilator? But it's more relevant to look at how did the norms change around the relationship between death and uh, what kind of body activity is still there because of the mechanical ventilator? And you look at the relationship in that network. Not at the concepts itself, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then actually an interesting thing about the me mechanical ventilator, you there was a decision that was made based on our values, basically. So the concept of a person who is who's, whose body is alive, yeah. but whose brain is dead, yeah. is classified as dead. Mm -hmm. We could have also classified this as... Um, body alive or yeah. something you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no we decided this person is is dead because we we value um, movements we've we value yeah. you know like brain activity we value we think like being a, you know act having a, an active brain is important yeah for us yeah so just just breathing <laughs> it's is, not is no longer enough to to be classified as alive Exactly. Yeah. So, but whether this now was a change of the concept of death or the concept yeah. of alive, I think that's not really what we care about when we care no, about exactly. social disruption. Yeah. So, the the socially disruptive thing, the the, the phenomenon here was yeah. um, the the ventilator, the mechanical yeah. ventilator, yeah. and it just disrupted this network, this inferential yeah. network, yeah. and that's why it's interesting. Yeah. 
And another thing that's interesting, what's happening there, and that's a notion that you touched on uh, before, uh, but when I when I stopped you, <laughs> is that in the end we we choose uh, a new concept, brain dead, and this is what you call conceptual engineering, right? As a sort of a, a solution for this disruption. Yes. Yeah, so uh, in f- philosophy, um, there's currently a. a an interesting debate going on on what exactly we are doing in philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in analytic philosophy, also in continental philosophy. People as a lot of people think that philosophy is actually a very creative um, activity where you you don't just analyze or describe concepts, you actually sort of create new concepts. Mm. You discover new you don't discover what exactly you, whatever the concept concept of per- personhood is. You mm-hmm. really actively um, modify or like change or engineer um, concepts um, that you can yeah. use, kind of like tools. So yeah, engineering. I have to understand this in uh, when, as a concept, as a, some kind of technology. You create a new concept. Yeah. So to, uh, to serve some function or. Yeah, so a lot of people, or like maybe even most people in the debate, I think they view the term conceptual engineering as a metaphor. But I take it much more seriously than okay. that. So mm-hmm. I, I, like some other people, I'm not the only one, mm-hmm. um, I think that language is kind of a technology. So um, like a cultural technology, right? It has yeah. certain, I mean, technology is, is in general, is like a, you can understand it as like a body of information, a body of knowledge, like a, even scientific knowledge that you use to make tools. Mm-hmm. So language also has a, you know, you language consists of, of grammatical rules yeah. and that you, you know these rules. Yeah. People invented these rules. Maybe yeah. they didn't invent them like we invented the computer, but we made them, right? Mm-hmm. So they yeah. don't come naturally to us yeah. by means of genetics or something. Yeah. Um, so you can think of them as a cultural t- words and sentences. You can think of, of tools that mm-hmm. allow us to you know coordinate, to build large societies. Ethics in this way is a is a kind of technology, yeah. a kind of tool. Yeah. So in this sense, engineering concepts is um, quite, for me, it's quite, you know, literally. I mean it literally, like yeah. engineering, new con- designing new concepts, yeah. um, just like any other t- artifact. Yeah, and this is what is needed when there is a disruption to engineer a new concept. So when, when there's a conceptual disruption, there's often a kind of dilemma. Um, should we classify this body as alive or, or dead? Yeah. And none of these options is maybe great. You always have to make a decision. You always intervene in your language. Mm-hmm. And I would say that qualifies as a kind of conceptual engineering process. Yeah. Usually that maybe goes like automatically, right? As, as, at least that's how I would intuitively understand language. It's, we sort of along the way we apply new concepts. It's sort of a natural, organic process. Yeah, it's it's often if it's often a very natural, organic process. But a lot of the times, it's also an intentional hmm. process. So I think conceptual engineering should be the term should be reserved for something we do really intentionally. Okay. Yeah. Something that often involves uh, political debates. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's just the p- most powerful person or group wins. Yeah. Um, in the case of brain death, um, it was the medical professionals who made this decision. Yeah. In the case of sex with a robot, supposed should be considered adultery or something else mm-hmm. is going to be decided by society. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a legal professionals who are going to make part of the decision. Yeah based on what the public decides. Yeah. So those are often debates that 
can go on for for decades yeah and so and so it's morally and politically super relevant uh how we choose to conceptualize these these things right yeah exactly and that but that leads also to a question of like when it when is it even morally allowed or permissible to well one have a conceptual disruption and two to engineer a new kind of concept because it's quite a a powerful thing to do have you also thought about this this moral question like when is it uh, permissible to disrupt a concept yeah so the first year in my postdoc i i tried to figure figure out um, you know what exactly is a conceptual disruption how does it relate to conceptual change and this uh, work has now come out and i started being really interested in in the ethical um, aspect of this mm -hmm. so i really and it's also even in the conceptual engineering literature it's much less um, focus there's much less focus on these normative questions which concepts should we choose yeah. right like it's called this is this question is uh, often called conceptual ethics and yeah and how do you yeah how do you make this decision um, which yeah. concepts to choose when to linguistically intervene at all yeah yeah those are all ethically relevant so first i i thought even so third first i, th I thought the a simpler question is um something that i think is not uh, thought enough uh, thought about enough is um that even any linguistic intervention at all causes often some disruption so even if you have a concept so imagine you're doing some concept conceptual engineering maybe you want to improve a concept maybe you want to get a new better concept that makes things easier but sometimes the disruption it causes for you to you know try to implement this new concept try to you know popularize it to some activism try to get other people use it the same way this can actually itself be quite disruptive right yeah. um you can you can generate a lot of uncertainty yeah. um so if i now come up with a new concept of personhood and try to um, implement it in yeah. society there's gonna it's gonna take some time for the concept to be completely um, accepted or yeah. like just i mean it's not clear how to use a concept at first right yeah. a, f a concept has to find its place yeah. in society yeah. also so it can be quite disruptive and then what i was saying in in one of those papers is um well if the disruption that is caused if this is actually makes people worse off then actually the positive impact of this concept could ever have um then we shouldn't intervene at all um, and i think the intuition behind this is quite um intuitive right a lot of people have this um intuition with respect to um, sometimes gender terms. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't have this intuition personally, but it's it's maybe an, an okay example for this. So a lot of people have this intuition that, well, all these new gender terms, they're really quite disruptive, and why don't we just talk about men and women, and mm -hmm. that's enough, you mm -hmm. know? So um, in this case, a lot of people think maybe it's better to use these old terms because it's, it's much less disruptive. Of course, um, I, I believe that it's actually gets us uh, these concepts are really important yeah. and it's it's worth it yeah. to to the disruption that is caused is minimal compared to the positive impact yeah. these concepts have. Yeah. But yeah, that's the idea. Okay, so you're saying that to disrupt a network of concepts or to engineer a new concept or or uh, inferential relation into a into a network of concepts. There needs to be good reasons for it because you are risking sort of this uh, moral uncertain uh, state of affairs. Leads me to the question, 
can conceptual engineering then be a way of, you know, designing morality even? Yes. So, so the question is again. I mean, I kind of uh, you know, talked about whether we should whether we should actually conceptually disrupt. So that's something I think a lot of people just think we can intervene as long as it's as long as it has good outcomes. But actually, there's like other things to consider. For example, the dis disruption. But then the question still um, remains: How and when should we intervene? How yeah. and when should we? change our concepts and most importantly what concepts should we choose if yeah. we are faced with a dilemma yeah for example again abuse ab abuse or not abuse or adultery and recreational ac activity death or life mm -hmm. right so yeah. what concepts do we choose and this yeah. is so this is a normative question this is normative ethics and of course it has to be decided just in any other way just by doing normative ethics right it's it's and this is also how we actively take part in creating society and how advancing society we want to have a conceptual choice that is actually ethically defensive defensible yeah a choice we want yeah and um, how do you do that i'm currently working on like a kind of method that takes into account you know um, value sensitive design from philosophy technology mm -hmm. you know you kind of give some kind of um, like an analysis of different values of all stakeholders, uh, generate some kind of equilibrium of like, you know, trying to make a, an ethically sound decision that mm -hmm. kind of suits everyone. And this is how you, this is how it's uh, ethically relevant. This is how you choose a concept. This is it's not going to be easy, yeah. right? Um, which concept you choose is going to be, you know, going to involve a lot of debating, a lot of giving in and asking for reasons. Yeah. So, so your idea of concept as a technology uh, and therefore conceptual engineering eventually leads you to even apply something like value-sensitive design, which is something that indeed we use to design technologies, value into technologies. You're saying we, we can do the same thing with concepts, actually. We can design values into them. We can make them sensitive to, to our moral needs, so to say. Yes, exactly. So if you th if you think of concepts not in the abstract but as artifacts, yeah. like technology, technological artifacts that we use as kind of tools to mm -hmm. create a just society yeah. or a bad society, you know, uh, tools that we use to create uh, living good living conditions, yeah. um, then you should you should treat it like any other technology. You should yeah. uh, do value sensitive design. Yeah. And how does that then relate to ideas about moral change or moral progress? Because then I would think you, we can we can use this technology of concepts and conceptual engineering to create a, a better, a morally better or more progressive society or something like that. Or, of course, for every conceptual decision you make, it should be the right one. Mm -hmm. So you should be quite careful what conceptual decision you take, because it's difficult to go back. Yeah. So once you decide, for example, that. Um, sex with a robot is not adultery and you made even a legal decision along these lines, it's not going to be easy to, you know, go back in time. And and so it should be a, yeah. a progressive or like, uh, you know, something that gets us, you know, that, that progresses morality. There's something that yeah, it should be a good, exactly. it should yeah. reflect our values. It yeah. should be good. Um, so in this sense, it, you can literally create, of course, you can, I mean, if this decision generates more progress, then this is how you can do it. Yeah, great. Uh, Hiro, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Estate Podcast. 
Well, thanks for doing this with me. It's yeah. really interesting. Great talk. I will leave some papers of you in the uh, description of this episode, in the show notes, I should say, uh, so listeners can can have a look at it. Yeah, uh, everything I, I publish is, is um, open access. Yeah, It's okay. all online on my website. You can find the links. Yeah. And just to summarize the the key points of our of our conversation, we we discussed the question: Do soci socially disruptive technologies really change our concepts or just our conceptions? We talked about what does it actually mean for technology to be conceptually disruptive, which is when there is uncertainty about how to apply a certain concept or to classify something, which leads to a question. What is changing there? Is it the concept itself or is it just the way that we apply it? And your response to that question was to research it. It actually doesn't really matter because we can just look at the practices around concepts. If we think of concepts, conceptual change as change in a network or inferential relationships between concepts. Yes, if we are interested in social disruption, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. But to decide whether something, for example, is good or bad, I think then it matters. But And I have a views on exactly the distinction <laughs> between conceptual change and conception, but it yeah. doesn't matter for Estet, I think. No, exactly. To just to study wh what what disrupts, it's it's not it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs>